What is up, people? Welcome back. Episode four. Uh, yeah, I got the Corona open of the Merlot and the Mob podcast. Ryan, what's Gucci? Hey, just glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, man. How's your week been? It's been uh, it's been good. A lot of good stuff happening. Um, just started the Sopranos or restarted the Sopranos. So banged out like two seasons in two days, which is unhealthy, but it's uh, I'm pretty hooked. So I'm pretty interested in this week's podcast. I was about to say you must be in the mob mood. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Um, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad that we are, we're back. We took a, a few weeks break, me and Ryan. Uh, I don't know. Busy, busy doing stuff, I guess. Mostly just laying around being uh, lazy. We're, pe- do, we're doing stuff. Yeah. People like us so much that we literally can't like do this anymore. It, we're just too popular. Yeah, we're getting approached in public. Um, I was inappropriately uh, inappropriately grabbed by a 96-year-old grandma the mm. other day. Um, I asked because I looked at her ID to make sure she was legal. We're all good. Do they make IDs that old? I don't think nah, so. No, I don't think I don't so. I don't even think you need to carry up. around an ID at that point. No. No, no, no. How's that sock treating you today? It's good, man. Good sock this week. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, well, yeah, welcome back. Um, just want to take care of a little business first. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Just do it. Say say macaroni and cheese. Say um, I, I like uh, when people touch my toes. I don't know. Say anything. Give us five stars. Um, it really helps with the ratings and uh, helps us you know, become more seen, I guess, on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We are also now on Spotify, so if you have Spotify, you can also uh, check us out there. The Toes comment reminded me of a conversation that I had today. Did you know about Dan Schneider from, uh, or what was the guy's name? From, from Nickelodeon? Carly. Yeah, yeah, from Nickelodeon. Dude, so I had actually, like, read a little bit about him, but I don't yeah. remember what it was. So I guess he, well, first and foremost, he was very, like, sexually abusive to actors the mm-hmm. actors and the actresses um but he also had a foot fetish and if you like go through nickelodeon shows there's always something within the episodes of the seasons that have to oh deal with God. feet little and, like easter eggs of yeah feet. yeah oh and that's God. for his like personal fulfillment that he well he created all those shows Dude, there's some really sick shit that he did. There's like conspiracies that Jamie Lynn Spears' kid is from him. I mean, Whoa. yeah, I, I'm not. Again, this is all Dude, alleged. That's there's, gross, man. That's fucked up. Yeah, he's this a, is. He's a gross-looking individual. I've in, never in seen the, him, but uh, again, this is alleged. Big, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying anything, but that's yeah, gross, that's that's. Man. Uh, I mean, I did some reading I hate, into it, and it's. it's I hate when bad. people in position of power abuse that to that extent it's kids man they're yeah, fucking kids oh yeah especially like up. acting kids as well they're susceptible they are, they're not formally educated their parents are probably crazy too yeah. that sucks man i but mean I, those people are <laughs> significantly more fucked up than the people that we talk about uh yeah yeah in in ways there there's different kind of varying degrees Oof. of criminality yeah. And, and yeah that's that sucks dude um yeah but uh let's let's get into the the mob today um today we are talking about vincent mad dog cole ryan you know anything about vincent mad dog cole i don't know anything about vincent cole but i sure do a thing or two about mad dog 2020 <laughs> what's it, that's a 40 right yeah real don't ever come in contact with that I had some pretty bad experiences that when was that. the last time you drank a 40 mad dog 2020 mad dog. i don't think i have since i've been out of school i pretty much repainted my room with my vomit <laughs> when i was in high school and my dad brought out the belt 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. That sucks, brother. Um, well, speaking of belts, man, uh, this guy's dad sucked. And uh, we're going to get into Talking that. about shitty dads, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, f- I feel like that's kind of a trend. Either Yo, non-existent yeah. or shitty. Yep. Here's, the, here's actually a quandary before we get into this for you. Would you rather have a shitty, abusive father still be there? Or would you rather have no dad? Not saying you. I'm saying, like, is it better for an individual to have a shitty, mm. abusive dad or no dad? Um, I would say shitty, abusive dad. Ah, fuck. Um, that's hard, that's, right? That's, well, it's also hard to not have a dad. With You both have trauma either situation, but you also learn, I mean, you learn a lot in both situations, I guess, but yeah, that's a tough one. I can't answer that on the spot. That's a deep thought. Yeah. Let's get into it. Vincent Cole was born in Guidor, an Irish speaking region of County Donegal, Ireland, related to the notorious Curran family. Cole was a distant relative of the former Northern Ireland Assemblywoman Brid Rogers. I have no idea who that is, but she is linked on Wikipedia. I'll check that out later. When Vincent was not quite one years old, his father, Tolly, decided to move the family, his wife and seven children, to New York in search of a better life. Man, they really pumped him out back in the day. Seven children. Yeah, that's incredible. Seven. You, means, you never see that anymore. No, you can't afford seven kids no, nowadays. Absolutely not. Well, back in the day, kids would like work on your farm. Yeah. You're, in the potato famine you, in you, Ireland. Yeah, you had kids to have help. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> After settling in the Bronx in 1909, they remained trapped in poverty. Five of Vincent's six siblings died before he was 12. Oh, shit. His mother died of tuberculosis in 1916, worn out after years of trying to provide for her children. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That will do it. That will do it. Vincent's father, Tolly, had simply run off years before and was never heard from again. So he's got wow. a dead mom when he was, when was he born? He was born in 1908. Uh, are those sirens outside? I probably heard that. Um, 1908, so in 1916, his mom died, so he was eight. And then five of his siblings died before wow. he was 12, and then his dad was gone. That's a ton of loss. Unbelievable. After his mother's death, Vincent's surviving sister tried to raise him in a cold water flat when Vincent was 11. There might be some mob activity outside. Yeah, for what real. What the hell is going on? <laughs> and a cold water flat, by the way, people, is a uh, apartment, a shanty apartment with no hot water. So uh, that just sounds completely miserable. And this guy's early life sucked. Um, Cole was raised in the Bronx by an elderly woman who took him in as her own. At age 12, Cole was sent to a reform school. After being expelled from multiple Catholic reform schools, he joined the Gopher Street Gang. Run-ins with the law were almost inevitable. Vincent soon developed a reputation for being a wild child of the streets and began the first of several stints in Catholic reform school before he reached his teens. For example, at age 12, he was arrested for unlawful entry and sent to a Catholic reform school. Four years later, he was arrested for carrying a gun, and by the age of 23, he had been arrested a dozen times. In the late 1920s, he started working as an armed guard for the illegal beer delivery trucks of Dutch Schultz's mob. Dutch Schultz will play a huge part in this story moving forward. 
This um, section of his Wikipedia page is titled Mob Assassin and Kidnapper. Before Prohibition, Irish gangs dominated the Bronx and Manhattan, but during the Prohibition era, Jewish and Italian gangs headed by Dutch Schultz, Charles Luciano, Bugsy Siegel, and Louis Lepke gained prominence. Schultz, the son of a barkeeper, built up an empire of speakeasies, clandestine alcohol stills, and breweries during the early years of Prohibition. In a tough business with rival gangs constantly trying to carve out their own territory, Schultz needed ruthless violent young men with a talent for intimidation and killing. Vincent Cole had all of that in spades and started out as an enforcer for Schultz when he was still in his mid-teens. By now, Vincent and his older brother Peter were beginning to make names for themselves in the Bronx. Vincent was the good-looking one, fresh face. Some newspapers, uh, some newspaper reports, sorry, later called him baby-faced or endowed him with matinee idol looks. With blonde curly hair, a fondness, fondness for sharp suits, and an enigmatic menacing air, he spent small fortunes on his clothes, which were stashed with various girlfriends across Manhattan and the Bronx. He favored tailor suits, silk shirts, double-breasted Chesterfield overcoats, and his signature hat, a pearl gray fedora always worn at a rakish angle. I feel like if I lived back in the day, Damn. I would dress pretty fly. Because they all wore suits all the time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I hate wearing suits now, but if I had to do it every day, I'd, those descriptions I'd of of those suits, woo! Mm-hmm. I went, from, dude, was fly. I went this from guy, six to midnight. This guy, ASAP. <laughs> this guy went from a shanty to a fedora. Yeah, yeah. That's like three pegs <laughs> up the social ladder. <laughs> Your face when he said that. Unbelievable. Three pegs. Cole's ruthlessness made him a valued enforcer to Schultz at first. As Schultz's criminal empire grew in power during the 1920s, he employed Cole as an assassin. At age 19, Cole was charged with the murder of Anthony Borello, the owner of a speakeasy, and Mary Smith, a dance hall hostess. That's a murder. I will drink. Mm. Like I said, I'm, I'm going with Corona this week. I know it's not in tune with our name, but I guess any alcohol really suffices with yeah. any of the drinking game that we're doing here. Uh, any, anything that will alter the state of the mind. You true, know? true. Yeah, and this guy was incredibly violent, so yeah. reading this was, was pretty tough. Um, <laughs> Cole allegedly murdered Borello because he refused to sell Solch, uh, Solch, Schultz sorry, bootleg alcohol. The charges were eventually dismissed, and many suspect this to have been from Schultz's influence. Schultz was not happy about Cole's actions. In 1929, without Schultz's permission, Cole robbed a dairy in the Bronx of $17,000. He and his gang posed as armed guards to gain access to the cashier's room. Oh, shit. Schultz later confronted Cole, about the ro- confronted Cole about the robbery, but rather than being apologetic, Cole demanded to be an equal partner. Schultz declined. Schultz is a hard last name to say very consistently. Schultz. Really? Schultz. Yeah. I mean, mine's S-C-H-U, so I, like, my I guess life, you're used so, to it. Yeah, I'm completely used to it. Yeah. By 1930, Cole had formed his own gang and was engaged in a shooting war with Schultz. One of the earliest victims was his brother, Peter Cole, wow. shot dead on May 30th, 1931, while driving down a Harlem street. So now, literally all of his family is dead. Yeah. He's Every known. single person is dead. Jesus. Vincent Cole, the mad Mick, went into a rage of grief and vengeance. Over the next three weeks, he gunned down four of Schultz's men. In all, around 20 men were killed in the bloodletting. The exact figure is hard to pin down as New York was also in the midst of the vicious Castella Mamerasi war at the same that was impossible at the same time. It was mayhem on the streets of Manhattan, and the police often had difficulty in deciding which corpse belonged to which war. Dude, imagine 
so many murders happening back in the 1910s when there was no science, no DNA. Just had to go off like dental records and fingerprints. Oh, you can, dude, you can get away with anything. Yeah, there's you nothing. Really could. Even if somebody saw you do it in the act, there's no, you still. You yeah, just, well, they would you, probably just would pay you dead. to not testify, or you too. just end up dead. Like yeah. you're, just, you're fucked either way, dude. Yeah. The, the lawlessness of early New York. Oh is my god, fascinating. The wild, me, wild east, man. Fascinating, man. On June 2nd, Cole and his gang broke into a garage owned by Schultz and destroyed 120 vending machines and 10 trucks. As the war continued, Vincent Cole and his gang killed approximately 20 of Schultz's men. To finance his new gang, Cole kidnapped rival gangsters and held them for ransom. He knew that the victims would not report the kidnappings to police. They'd have a hard time explaining to the uh, Bureau of Internal Revenue, the IRS, why the ransom cash had not been reported as income. One of Cole's best-known victims was gambler George Big Frenchy Demange, a close associate of Oni Madden, boss of the Hell's Kitchen Irish mob. According to one account, Cole telephoned Demange and asked to meet with him. When Demange arrived at the meeting place, Cole kidnapped him at gunpoint. He released Demange 18 hours later after receiving a ransom payment. Kind of, uh, kind of smart, I guess. To yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Get, get some money. This one is titled literally Alleged Child Killer. So this has got to be interesting. On July 28, 1931, Cole allegedly participated in a kidnapping attempt that resulted in the shooting death of a child. Cole's target was bootlegger Joseph Rao, a Schultz underling who was lounging in front of a social club. Several children were playing outside an apartment house. A large touring car pulled up to the curb and several men pointed shotguns and submarine guns towards Rao and started shooting. Rao threw himself to the sidewalk, however, and four young children were wounded in the attack. One of them, five-year-old Michael Vengali, later died at Beth David Hospital. After the Vengali killing, New York City Mayor Jimmy Walker dubbed Cole a mad dog, hence the nickname. Mm. On October 4th, 19... That's, that's crazy. The mayor literally knew who had shot him, Yeah, and he's still free. Ridiculous. On October 4th, 1931, after an extensive manhunt, New York City police arrested Cole at a hotel in the Bronx, thank God. He had dyed his hair black and grown a mustache and was wearing horn-rimmed glasses. He surrendered peacefully. During a police lineup, a defiant Cole said that he had been in Albany, New York for the past several months and refused to answer any other questions without an attorney present. Mm. On October 5th, a grand jury in New York City indicted Cole in the Bengali murder. The Cole trial began in December of 1931. He retained famed defense lawyer Samuel Leibowitz. Cole claimed that he was miles away from the shooting scene and was being framed by his enemies. He added that he would love to tear the throat out of the person who killed Bengali. The prosecution case soon fell apart. Their sole witness to the shooting, George Brecht, admitted on the witness stand to having a criminal and mental health record and to making similar testimony in a previous murder case in St. Louis, Missouri. At the end of December, the judge issued a directed verdict of not guilty for Cole. Immediately after the Bengali verdict, a New York City police inspector told Cole that the police would arrest him wherever he was spotted in New York City. He was soon regaled for carrying a gun. When the inspector referred to Cole as a baby killer, Cole hotly replied, I'm no baby killer. Soon after his acquittal, Cole married Lottie Kreisberger, a fashion designer in New York. This one's titled Failed Hit, I'm assuming, on Mad Dog. I actually went to a, I went to high school with a Kreisberger. A Kreisberger? Yeah. Gotcha. Is it K-R-E-I-S? Yeah. Berger? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder. Who knows? Should he or she have ties to New York City at all? Um, I don't believe so at all. Hmm. 
check in on that, maybe. In 1931, between the killing of young Vengali and his acquittal for that death, Cole was hired by Salvatore Maranzano, who had recently crowned himself the mafia boss of all bosses in New York City, to murder his right-hand man, Charles Lucky Luciano. Imagine naming yourself the boss of all bosses. Imagine the balls that would take. That's pretty dope, actually. Yeah. I'd respect that. Just to murder your boy. Yeah. Well, dude, at that point, no one's safe. Dude, the, uh, you know what I hate about the mafia? There, there's so many cool things in theory. I mean, obviously, murder isn't like great and all the criminality isn't, but they're like fly and uh, I don't know. They kind of, I guess, glorify it in movies and everything. The fact that these people kill their homies all the time is so nerve-wracking. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to trust anyone. No, it's completely contradictive to, like, the whole, especially from an Italian mob perspective, just, like, loyalty family, but, like, they put hits out on their family. Right. And their yeah, their own family. friends. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, do you remember the, Jim, the Jimmy Burke one? Yeah. I mean, the guy was gonna rat, so I guess it made sense. Yeah, but, but he, he, like, killed literally everybody that helped him. Yeah. Well, he killed that Remo guy and buried him behind the bocce court. Yeah. That was his best friend yeah. from childhood. Probably his only friend. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Luciano had previously helped Maranzano win the infamous Cast oh, here's that word again. Castella Mamerasi War in New York and gained control of the New York Mafia. However, Maranzano suspected Luciano of wanting to kill him and seize power for himself. Cole agreed to murder Luciano for a twenty five thousand payment in advance and a twenty five thousand payment on completion of the job. On September tenth, nineteen thirty one, Maranzano invited Luciano to visit his office. The plan was that Cole would turn up and kill Luciano. However, Luciano had received a tip off about this plan, although probably not the identity of the hitman. So he instead sent a over a squad of his own hitmen who stabbed and shot Maranzano to death. According to the 1963 testimony of government witness Joseph Valacci, uh, Cole arrived at the office um, to kill Luciano only to meet Luciano's hitmen fleeing the scene. After learning from them that Maranzano was dead, Cole immediately left the building $25,000 richer. And 25000 in 1931 was that's, a hefty that's sum. That's a shit ton of money. That's a fuck ton of yeah. money. That's like 20... That I would... I don't know. Maybe three hundred grand. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah for probably sure. maybe a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> it was said that both Dutch Schultz and Oni Madden had put a fifty thousand dollar bounty on Vincent Cole's head. At one point, Schultz had actually walked into a Bronx police station and offered a house in Westchester to whoever killed Cole. On February 1st, 1932, four or five gunmen invaded a Bronx apartment, which Cole was rumored to frequent, and opened fire with pistols and submachine guns. Three people, Cole gangsters Patsy Del Greco and Fiorio Basile, and bystander Emily Tanzio. So many bystanders being killed in this. Yeah. God damn it. Were killed. Three others were wounded. Cole himself did not show up until 30 minutes after the shooting. Oh, God, dude. He is like... He's missing some some shootings. He would definitely would have gotten killed in the Maranzano one too. If he yeah, absolutely. There. He's yeah. like he has some pretty good luck in yeah, his favor. Luck of the Irish. Oh wow! There I see go. what you did there. <laughs> Popular saying: This person's from Ireland. I yeah, I get that. I don't have a future in comedy. A week <laughs> after the Bronx shootings, at 12:30 a.m. on February 8th, Cole was using a phone booth at a drugstore at 8th Avenue and 23rd Street in Manhattan. Dude, that is um, literally Chelsea. That yeah, is I know. like so far west. I know exactly what that like, is. The longitude, latitude of that one. Yeah, that's great. I, I actually looked this up online earlier and 
the the storefront in which he got killed in front of is still there and it's like a store it's oh, not awesome. the same store but yeah um he was reportedly talking to madden demanding fifty thousand from the gangster under the threat of kidnapping his brother-in-law madden kept cole on the line while it was traced three men in a dark limousine soon arrived at the drugstore while while one waited in the car two others stepped out one man waited outside while the other walked inside the store the gunman told the cashier keep cool now drew a Thompson submachine gun from under his overcoat and opened fire on Cole in the glass phone booth. Cole died instantly. The killers took off in their car. They were chased unsuccessfully up 8th Avenue by a foot patrolman who had heard the gunshots and commandeered a passing taxi. However, the car got away. A total of 15 bullets were removed from Cole's body at the morgue. More may have passed through him. Cole was buried next to his brother Peter at St. Raymond Cemetery in the Bronx. Dutch Schultz sent a floral wreath bearing a banner with the message from the boys. Wow. Wow. That's pretty badass. That's, yeah, that's some gangster shit right Yeah, there. that's cool. Cole's killers were never identified. Dutch Schultz attorney Dixie Davis later claimed that gangster Bo Weinberg was the getaway driver of the limousine. Another suspect was one of Cole's own men, Edward Popke, a.k.a. Fats McCarthy. Edward Popke, Fats McCarthy. Dude, I'm still hung up on Weinberg. How intimidating would that guy be? Bo, I am I'm Bo Weinberg. Um, I know how to drive a car. I'll, I'll get you out of there. Unbelievable. What's he gonna? Is he like the? Let's take a look at his because like, he is a, he's a linker. He has a Wikipedia page. Jesus. Abraham Weinberg. Let's look at him. Look at him. He. Uh, he lo- yeah, that's he, that's pretty unbelievable. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. He looks very Jewish. He's got this this weird like wavy comb over too. Uh, very unintimidating. Uh, yeah. He's the mob accountant, man. <laughs> um, Edward Popke, a.k.a. Fats McCarthy. I'm just astonished how you how do you get that nickname. Obviously, yeah. he's fat. McCarthy? From Popke? I don't know, I guess man. another kind of like Jewish-ish last name. The submachine gun that killed Cole was found a year later in the possession of a Hell's Kitchen gunman named Tough Tommy Prothero, who used it during a 1933 saloon killing. On May 16, 1935, Prothero and his girlfriend Elizabeth Connors were shot and killed by an unknown triggerman in Queens. Dutch Schultz continued to operate his rackets for only a few more years. On October 23, 1935, Schultz was killed at the Palace Chop House in Newark, New Jersey. He was supposedly murdered on orders from Luciano and the new National Crime Syndicate. Dude, I'd love to see if that uh, chop house is still there. Yeah, I would I would take it. It's probably tour just there. a quick quick Google search away. Dude, I'm just curious as to like you have me you have me thinking now of like how many places have I passed in New York City that people have died in front of or on the streets? Well, I think that every single apartment complex that you have passed that is not brand new, people have died in. Well, I, no <laughs> shit. Obviously. I'm talking like okay, let's not say died. Let's say murdered. Okay. Well, from our Vincent Gigante episode, we know that there was heavy activity in Greenwich Village. From our, I guess you've probably never been to Ozone Park, Queens, no. where Jimmy Burke ran. Yeah, I, I have. I've been to that like area. Um, not that nice. Still not that nice. Pretty no. residential, but not really that great. Um, Boston. We've both been to Southie. Uh, it's still, dude, it still kind of looks a little gnarly there. That's pretty cool. I, I like, it is really cool. It still has that old, like sketchiness to it. Yeah. Here you have like a mix of newer buildings, but they're in that specific part. It's old. just old. It's old around there. I love it. But yeah, I mean, going back to New York city. Yeah. If you're walking in Manhattan, 
past a building, you there there most likely been some shady shit go down there, especially like around Forty Second Times Square, like yeah. Herald Square, all that shit. Crazy man. Um, Cole's witty. Um, <laughs> Cole's widow Lottie, uh, your girl, your your friend's great grandmother, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Was convicted of carrying a concealed weapon and sentenced to six months. She refused to leave prison following her parole because she feared the people who had killed her husband would also murder her. In 1935, Oni Madden, still under police scrutiny for the coal killing, moved to Arkansas, where he died in 1965. It's uh, an interesting place to. To go to avoid some some heat. Yeah, I mean, where else are you gonna go? Right, North Dakota. Well, I guess Arkansas is better weather. Yeah. Yeah. True. Fun fact about Vincent Cole: If you have you ever seen the Cotton Club? No. So it is a 1982 movie that Francis Ford Coppola, the director of uh, both The Godfather, all of The Godfather films, directed about the Cotton Club, which is a famous Harlem club in the 20s and 30s, owned by Oni Madden. And uh, our boy Nicolas Cage played Vincent Cole in this movie. They look absolutely nothing alike. I love, I'm a big Nick Cage guy. Dude, Nick Cage. I know he's obviously crazy, does a lot of weird movies now, not very, like, all straight to DVD. A fantastic actor. Just crazy. I'm going to steal a declaration of independence. <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas, adaptation, both spectacular. I'm going to steal the declaration of independence. <laughs> Guess how old uh, our boy Vincent Cole was when he died? We haven't, we haven't remarked on this yet. Hmm. The time, I kind of lost the time frame, to be honest with you. I'm going to guess uh, 35. 23. Oh, okay. 23 years old. That's uh, last year for me. <laughs> That's this year for me, man. <laughs> he did all of this within, it seems like he started in his like kind of mid to late teens. So we'll say 15 to 23. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's a very short. Eight years. Killed like 20 people, Yeah, man. that's a short career. I, I, I just don't know how, I mean, obviously I know how they got away with all this murder back in the day, but... So much that murder, takes dude. even more balls to do it at that young of an age, though. You yeah. are, we're talking about the people that are like dying, died in prison in their 70s, 80s. They've been doing this thing their whole life. They started out like murdering people in their 20s. This guy's done it as like a teenager. You also got to think, though, that he is probably very desensitized to death. Yeah. Knowing that his family, like he's seen his whole family die, basically. Yeah. Well, I'm waistband flipping and like six period because of something that i see this guy's killing people yeah while i am uh you know trying to get my first kiss on the lips in the behind the gym at westridge middle school uh, he's like stealing shit and running with dutch schultz and killing people incredible man uh give me your most scummy of the week Oh, oh that's um even though he didn't directly purposely kill that kid anything that has to deal with uh child Murder is uh, bad in my book. I think when you literally have a headline in your Wikipedia page saying child killer, yeah. that's that's got to be the most. Yeah, I agreed. All right, guys. That was Vincent Mad Dog Cole. Thanks for tuning in once again. If you are still listening, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. Uh, once again, this is Merlot and the Mob, and this is Chris Merch signing out. We'll see you later. Peace.